Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Alicia here. Great to have you back. Now, one of the things that we like to do at AWS is innovate on behalf of our customers. And what that means is that we have a whole lot of service teams who work really, really hard to iterate on their services, to release new features and functionality. And they do so as fast as possible and at a pretty quick rate. So what I'd like to do this episode is cover a number of different things that have been released, some big, some small, that may improve, change, or affect the way you do things day to day, um, hopefully in a very positive way. So let's start with something very cool. And this is the AWS Resource Tagging API. Now, any of you who've used AWS for a while will be very familiar with the concept of tagging your resources. Um, we let you do things like tag your EC2 instances, your EBS volumes, your S3 buckets, and lots and lots of other resources. And we've been working for a long time on making it far more powerful and scalable for customers. So you can have, uh, for example, up to 50 tags per resource. You can use tagging during auto scaling. Um, there's also uh, some console-based support for the creation of resources that share common tags. Um, the use of config rules to enforce the use of tags, lots and lots of good things. However, what we now have is a new resource tagging API. Now, you can use these APIs from the AWS SDK or the CLI, and it gives you a huge amount of power to do things in bulk because now you can access a whole lot of new functions as part of this specific API to operate on multiple resource types with a single set of functions. So this means you can tag untag, find resources using tags, or from with your own code in a really clean and elegant solution. Now, the new functions are tag resources, where you can add tags to up to 20 resources at a time. Untag resources, where you do the reverse. Get resources, where you get a list of resources with optional filtering by tags and or resource type. Get tag keys, where you get a list of all the unique tag keys used in your account and get tag values, where you get a list of all the tag values for a specified tag key. Now, you can imagine what capability this gives to you. Lots and lots of cool things that you can do. And many, many services support this. I'm not going to go through the entire list because it is a big list, but it includes things like CloudFront, uh, EFS, EMR, Glacier, Kinesis, Redshift, uh, Route 53, uh, Cloud HSM, and so on. And the best thing about this as it is available now. And to use it, there is absolutely no charge. You can just go ahead and start using it in your code. So it certainly is something you should take advantage of. And while we're on the topic of tags, it would be remiss of me not to mention some really useful new tag capabilities that have just been introduced that I know a lot of our customers will be interested in. The first one is something called tag on creation. So you can now specify tags for EC2 instances and EBS volumes as part of the API call that creates those resources. So this means you immediately have the tagging you need on those key resources when they're created. Allied to this is the new enforced tag usage. That's right, I said enforced tag usage, and many of you will be sitting up going, oh, I've wanted that for a while. Uh, you can now write IAM policies that mandate the use of specific tags on EC2 instances or EBS volumes. So this means they have to have those tags when they're created, which is really, really handy if you want to do any kind of enforcement or have some consistency in your naming standards, etc. We now also provide resource level permissions. 
So the create tags and delete tags functions now support IAM's resource level permissions, which I know has been a task for a long time. And another one is enforced volume encryption. You can now write IAM policies that mandate the use of encryption for newly created EBS volumes. So a lot more control that you can enforce where necessary to get the outcomes that you're looking for. Now, at AWS, we always want to help our customers run more efficiently and save money. And one of the mechanisms we have for that is reserved instances that allow you to reduce the cost of running EC2 instances in the long term, particularly if you've got consistent workloads that you know are running for long periods of time. There is a new change to the AWS Cost Explorer to help you visualize and identify any instance hours that are not covered by RIs that perhaps should be. So the RI coverage report lets you visualize the percentage of running instance hours that are covered by RIs against the coverage threshold and a timeline that you define. So you can view RI coverage at a high level, so you can see it across all running hours, or you can dive into more detailed views, filtering by account, or instance type, or region, or tags, or more. And then you can use that information to figure out exactly the right way to optimize your RI purchases to save as much money as possible. So this is really useful in terms of making sure you have the right amount of coverage and is a nice companion to the other recently launched RI utilization reports that identify underutilized RIs so you could change them to the instance types that are not covered to further enhance your savings. So these reports are available now in the AWS Cost Explorer and uh, it's worth taking a little bit of time to optimize your spend. Another nice change that was recently made available is to Amazon CloudWatch. Now, CloudWatch allows us to monitor lots of metrics from different services and also custom metrics as well. And Amazon CloudWatch Alarms is a method to alarm on certain thresholds and things that go bump in the night. Now, you can make some changes now, and there are now two new settings to configure alarms on metrics with sparse data or with low sample counts. Essentially, you can choose to treat missing metric data as good or bad, or maintain the alarm state as it is, or use whatever the current default treatment is. This is really important because often we get uh, gaps in our data for various reasons that may happen. Maybe your application's not sending information or there was a, a pause in collection of data, what have you, and it may trigger an alarm. You may not want that to actually happen. You may be happy to say, hey, if I get no data, it's okay. I only want to see metrics when I get actual metrics. So you can now configure that behavior in a very granular fashion. The second new setting is for alarms based on metric percentiles that might have a smaller number of data samples. So at the moment, CloudWatch alarms evaluate percentile values irrespective of the sample count. But now you can say, look, if a particular percentile has a really no low number of samples, that's not enough data for me to shift my behavior. So don't change the alarm state. So these are really good nuanced changes to the way that CloudWatch alarms work to give you an even smoother operational experience. Okay, if you're anything like me, uh, you just love reading JSON formatted documents, don't you? It's There's something about the parentheses, the commas, the need for spacing, the fact that you end up linting things all the time. Yes, I'm being facetious. I really hate reading JSON. It's functional as it is. Um, so with IAM, our identity and access management capability, we have our policies documented using JSON, which is very powerful and expressive and useful for IT folks. However, if you want to show what your policies actually mean to someone who maybe is from a security background and not from an IT background, they probably don't want to read it in JSON. Well, guess what? Now it's much easier to understand these policies because you can now create policy summaries that are in English and are readable in a simple table. And you can look at it 
very simply. It'll show you things like what service the policy is for, the access level being provided, what resources it applies to, any request conditions. Really, really clean and easy and simple and a nice way to visualize the information. So it's a really good way to share that information in a much more human-readable form. And that's the reason why I'm so excited about it because any time you can avoid having to decode JSON is probably a good day overall. Now, speaking of code, AWS Lambda, one of my favorite services, lets you run things serverlessly and easily in the cloud. It, of course, supports many languages, including .NET and uh, Node and Java and Python. Well, we've just updated the version of Node.js that is supported by AWS Lambda. We now also support version 6.10. So if you want the latest and greatest runtime, you can go ahead and use that, which is great. And just a reminder that the old Node 0.1.0, sorry, I should say that again, 0.10, there was no extra dot there, um, has been deprecated. So please stop using that. If you are using it, get off it. And you can move to the shiny new version 6.10 if you want to, which is pretty nifty. Now that's at the coding level, let's talk about infrastructure, let's talk about networking, let's talk about plugging things together, let's talk about Direct Connect. Now of course, Direct Connect is a great service for allowing you to connect your existing on-premises infrastructure into the AWS cloud via Direct Connect locations. Now the good thing is that every AWS region has two Direct Connect locations supporting it, which means you can build resiliency into your networking by having multiple locations supporting a particular region. So there are some new AWS Direct Connect locations to be available. The new ones are in uh, Munich and Berlin in Germany, Prague in the Czech Republic, and Zurich in Switzerland. So what I'd say is all exotic locations there, and they all have shiny new Direct Connect options that you can connect anything from one gig to 10 gig, and you can even work with partners for speeds less than one gig if you need those as well. One of the things that the uh, AWS Cloud is famous for is, of course, flexibility and elasticity and the ability to optimize how much things are costing when you're using them. So one service that has just introduced a new function is Amazon AppStream 2.0, and it now supports fleet auto-scaling so that you can optimize your streaming costs. So you can set policies, scaling policies, to increase or decrease the size of your fleet automatically. So you can make sure you have enough capacity at any one time based on the criteria you set. You can also grow and shrink your fleet based on the criteria you set as well. So a very familiar construct to any of you who have used um, auto scaling groups before. This applies specifically to AppStream 2.0. So a very nice optimizing feature there. And to finish off today, I want to cover a new change to the AWS database migration service. Now this is an really handy service that helps you migrate data from existing on-premises database into RDS or EC2. Uh, and there is a new target to do this. Now, this migration is also not just one time. It can be uh, continuous using change data capture technology, and it can be filtered on certain tables or certain other rules, etc. So you have a lot of control over it. The change that has been made is that a new target, which is the simple storage service or our old friend S3, is now available as a target. This means you can export data or extract data from a particular database and store it purely as CSV files in S3. And then from there, you can do whatever you want with it. And as uh, most of you listening to the podcast will know, once something is in S3, lots of options present themselves and life is pretty cool in terms of what you can do it. So now you don't have to go just from database engine to database engine. You can actually go from database engine to the simple storage service and then figure out what you do from there. So lots and lots of updates, lots of new things to play with. Hopefully, at least one or two of them were exciting and interesting to you. 
We always do love to get your feedback, podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.